Welcome to Tea Talks Unfiltered, the podcast where we drink tea, we talk, and they're both unfiltered. My name is Jake, and I will be your host. And on today's episode, we are back to drinking some good old poor tea. And we're going to be discussing how I fell in love in China. So it's going to be a very interesting episode. But first, I want to take a moment and wish everyone a happy belated Valentine's Day. And also a happy Yun Jie. So Yun Jie today is the first full moon of the new lunar year. Uh, and it is kind of the final holiday, the final celebration of the spring festival in China. So pretty big celebration. We actually didn't have the traditional uh, sweet ball soup. Uh, that's normal. We substituted that for dumplings, which I guess is pretty traditional as well. So it was a nice kind of quiet family meal just to tie up the whole holiday uh, in a few days. School is back in session. People are already back to work. Hopefully for everybody, spring is right around the corner. So just want to wish everyone a happy 2022. I hope that you guys are looking forward to everything as much as we are. But I am deflecting and delaying and hedging <laughs> because uh, I am a little bit nervous about today's episode, to be honest. Um, it's a little bit different for me to share this personal of a story online. It's not something I do very often. Uh, but I think it's a nice break, you know, something to do in the Valentine's Day season um, to keep it on subject. But also just something for me to share some personal points about myself, you know, uh, about me as a person, not just as a teacher or a coach, um, just to kind of break up the lecture series, have something a little bit different in there. So hopefully we can also tie it into some of my, how would you say, my, my window into Chinese culture. It'll, it'll add a little bit more context to that so you guys can kind of understand more about myself and the interaction I've had with Chinese culture because my wife I met in Mudang. Uh, she's Chinese. Uh, we have a daughter who was raised partially in the States and partially now in China. And so there, there are some pretty interesting dynamics that come up um, between cultures where they clash and connect. And I think that's pretty interesting. And it is a question that we get asked quite often, you know, how we met and, and you know, things like this. So I hope I can shed some light on, on some different perspectives. I'm not going to make our relationship out to be a Disney fairy tale, as some would assume. Um, but I, I hope there's something in here that I can share with you. Uh, at the very least, you'll understand a little bit more about myself and the family. So, But once again, I'm still delaying. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Thank you for bearing with me. Cheers. Oh, okay. So I have a few notes here just to give me some backup. <laughs> Because like I said, I I am a little nervous. Um, this is new for me, uh, but I think these kind of stories can be pretty inspiring and, and interesting at the very least, um, just to show a little bit about how we met, um, but also the dynamics of that during training. Like I said, we've been we've been married for seven years now, and we have been together for the better part of a decade now. So I think ten years. And I've been in I've been in China for eleven, almost twelve years. So the vast majority of my experience in Wudang has been while I've been in this relationship, and it's pretty interesting because while we're training, if you followed my journey to Wudang and some of the training videos early on uh, in the podcast, you know that the, the the time that I spent here 
for those five years is very, very uh, comprehensive, right? Our day-to-day schedule is very full. There is a pretty high requirement for the five years training to become a disciple with the responsibility of becoming a teacher, potentially. And so our day-to-day practice can be really full. It can be really demanding. And it's hard to have a relationship during that time. Uh, not not just to mention the time constraints, but also the potential conflict or distraction that it can have against your training, right? Because the first responsibility being here is the training, right? It is the martial arts uh, discipline. It is part of that becoming a disciple, that responsibility. And so there is kind of a, a, a high set of requirements for each student. Now, there's not really any regulation or limitation restriction on having a relationship. It's not really going to be, you know, you know, kept away from you. But it's also not, it's kind of one of those unspoken rules while we're here where, you know, just don't let it affect the training is kind of the idea. It's the unspoken rule. So it's not really encouraged, <laughs> but it's not going to be restricted or, 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 or kept away from either. So there were people who got in relationships while we're here. But there's still this idea that, you know, the training comes first. And so keeping that balance, keeping that separation is really important. And I want to talk a little bit about that as well as we get into the story. So we'll kind of go through how we, how I met my, my now wife, um, kind of the origin stories as it were, and then going to maintaining training during the relationship. And, and then also, if I have a little bit of time, maybe talking about, you know, the experiences of raising a family, you know. Maybe that'll be saved for another episode just because that could be pretty big. You know, my daughter is now seven years old and she's had half her life in the States and half of it in in China now. So it's kind of interesting seeing, again, where where the culture connects and where it clashes. Uh, I hope that we are bringing the best parts of both together. So, so yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. Um. Yeah, like I said, I didn't have any intention of finding a girlfriend or being married during my time in China, Um, even though everyone when I left America said it was inevitable. (laughs) You know, everyone knew, like everyone said that, oh, you're going to come back and you'll have a you'll have a Chinese wife. You'll you'll be married or you'll you'll stay in China and decide to live there. And, um, you know, I I, I didn't say yes to those things at the time. But again, you don't really know what's going to happen. Right. And I do look back and think now in hindsight that I'm very grateful. I'm very lucky to have met Ling Ling, to have met my wife here. Um, just because there's so much about who I am now that she understands because she was here with me for that part of my life. And of course, a training program or, you know, just that period of your life in general, you know, the, the early 20s, that period of your life can be pretty Uh, kind of world building and and shaping for your personality and for who you're going to be. And so I think that the the connections just in that time of your life are really important, regardless of where you are. But because of what I set out to do with the training program and it being a different culture, there's so many parts of myself and my personality and my, you know, even, okay, to talk about training, the the physicality of it too, but so many ways that I was challenged as an individual, Uh, take it in whichever way you want to mean that having someone there with me that I connected with and could support me, you know, to get through some of that, that that's a bond that I think if you know what I'm talking about, you know, that it can't be 
replicated, right? There's just, there's something there that even with the friends, the the people you, you were close to during that time, the people you went through those trials with, there's a connection there, right? And it's very hard to substitute that. And having it can be a huge boom. It can be a, be a great benefit to you because as you move forward, there's things that are very difficult for me to share with people who don't have the same experience, right? Uh, and not the same thing about those relationships. Like I think those, those are still great and there's still ways that we can connect. Right. But it's just that I'm very, I'm very lucky. Right. I'm very, I'm very grateful to be able to meet the person that I fell in love with in the time that I did. Right. Just because everything fit together. And I do think that it was one of those things that it wasn't, I don't necessarily believe in destiny, but if there was anything to believe in, I think it would be that, you know, because there was just kind of a, a connection from the beginning that I couldn't ever really explain. You know, I think even looking back about people ask you, why did you come to Wudang? I can tell you the how, and I can tell you the when and the like what I did, but the why is very difficult, right? Very difficult to point out and say, this is the reason, <laughs> you know, um, because the reason why I came here is different. Uh, each time I look back. And I think it's the same with any big emotion in your life, especially with love, is that there's not really a why. It's 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 unexpressible, right? I can frame it in a few words um, in a moment, but it's very malleable and it's very open to interpretation to yourself, I mean, to where I can look back and I can see the connections lo- logically but there's parts of it that I can never fully explain, you know, why. <laughs> but I think we're going a little bit too deep uh, about that. Let, let's, let's go ahead and start off with, you know, how we met. So I first came here in 2010. And like I said, my, my wife, I met her at the school, actually. She, she wasn't a student. Um, she doesn't train martial arts. She's starting to get into it now. So she wants to start learning some soft practices, but she's never really been interested in the Kung Fu, especially sparring or weapons or anything like that. Um, but, but she worked at the school when I came here. Okay. So I met her at the school. Um, she could speak a little bit of English when I first met her and I could speak no Chinese. Um, so obviously there's, there's a barrier right at the beginning. Um, but when I met her, I pretty much right away had a crush on her. Um, and it, it became kind of the running joke in my class uh, for quite a while. Uh, and I'm, I'm a pretty timid, low-key person. I don't, I don't really, uh, I'm not like a, I'm, I might be romantic, but I'm not really like a very outgoing person. Contrary to the idea of me leaving home to travel halfway around the world to a foreign world to a foreign country to learn something I've never done before you know besides that <laughs> I haven't really done anything uh really big yet right I'm, I'm still pretty young at this time uh just 20 21 years old and uh, uh pretty shy about a lot of things uh irregardless of what you may think about someone traveling around the world by themselves and so I never really approached her. Uh, we talked and, you know, kind of said hello and, and, and this kind of stuff. But I never really instigated a conversation. See, I'm already getting nervous talking about this. Um, but it was, 
it was kind of the running joke in my class uh, that I had a crush on her. Everyone in the class knew about it and would catch me like, you know, pay attention to where she was while we were training or trying to find ways to talk to her, even though I could only say a few things uh, in Chinese. Uh, she could speak pretty decent English. Um, so once I figured that out, you know, there was there was a way that we could kind of talk a little bit more. And that's where the the master plan uh, began <laughs> in 2011. So my my second year, yeah, my second year in uh, in China in Wudang training, I was finally starting to build up enough courage uh, to talk to her and, uh, you know, finally starting to hear the end of all the jokes from my class and actually like motivate myself to break past some other barriers like, you know, I've, I've came to China, you know, I've, I've committed to this program and I'm, I'm disciplining myself every day. I should be able to challenge myself outside the box a little more in this, in this part of my life too. Right. And so I started doing the same thing that I kind of thought about when I came to China is I always used to think about, you know, what if, what if I came to China? What if I did this and this and that? And eventually I started just asking myself, what if now, you know, what if I just do it? Like, what if I just, I just try, you know? And, and it was really funny because thinking back, I, I started using those same kind of psychological conversations on myself to motivate myself to talk to her uh, the same way I did to like come to China. And it, it almost seemed more difficult, to be honest, like, uh, you know, coming to China and traveling around the world and, and committing to this this program seemed easy at this point uh, than, than starting a conversation uh, with Ling Ling at the time. Uh, I was very timid, I suppose. But eventually I hatched the master plan of... Uh, asking her to teach me Chinese and I could teach her more English. And so that would be a great way for me to learn. And it was an excuse for me to spend a lot of time with her. And, um, it was a way for me just to kind of try, like, I, I don't really know how to start a relationship, especially in a different culture. Um, in China, there's a lot more, not necessarily like stigma, but more taboo about an open relationship where, you know, there's no real show of there's no PDA. There's no public displays of affection. At that time, no one would hold hands in public. People who are married, you never see them. You never see them hold hands or hug or kiss. Definitely not. Like it's just not a very open uh, kind of relationship like that. So, so people are pretty close. Like everything's kind of behind closed doors. You know, in private relationships, right? So, it's very hard to kind of judge where people are uh, on attraction level because they're not very open in those in that sense um, sometimes people compare uh, especially Chinese people compare to Westerners and always say that we're we're very open-hearted and and we're you know we're too easily to fall in love and a lot of Chinese people joke about this uh, about especially Americans and, and and foreigners in general about how we have a very open heart and we have a flower heart, Huaxin, and it, it's very easy for us to fall in love. And they kind of laugh at it sometimes. And then it's interesting because then the foreigners look at Chinese and say that they're they're very naive or very innocent because they don't go out to have relationships and 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 kind of get to know people. You know, there's kind of a there's a bigger uh, weight on having a family sometimes in China than there is on meeting the one that you love. Right? There's kind of like a it's like, oh, you, you're getting older. You need to get married, have kids so you can have a family so you can, you know, 
be the the perfect the perfect Chinese family, right? And in, in, in the in the West, especially in America, it's much more you know trying to find the person you really want to spend the rest of your life with. And you know, I know people who have been together for years and years and still not married. And in China, sometimes it's the exact opposite. You know, they might know each other for a short time and get married. And so there is like a different weight in relationships in China. And so there, it's just very hard to, for me, especially in the beginning to, to gauge a relationship, like what, how do you, how do you begin, you know, uh, without jumping right into the deep end, I suppose. So this was my way to start a conversation and get to know her. And to be honest, it was a really great summer. Um, uh, it was, it was the summer of 2011 and we started spending time with each other. She would work in the store at the school. And so I would go in there and help her, you know, clean up and do things. And while we were, while I was there, we would just talk. And that was how I learned, right? That was how I learned Chinese was I would just speak as many words as I possibly could. I'd, I'd get to my limit every day and I'd write down a few words in a little notebook that I would carry everywhere. And then when I had time, I would just flip through the notebook and I would have a few words to reference. And then I would just, every day I would try to use the words that I learned. And so everything I learned was very much spoken, right? I wrote down the characters, but because it was more about memorization and it was more about, I'd learn a word and then go outside and use it. Or, or I'd learn a word so I could tell her a story about myself or about about America or, you know, just about anything that we wanted to talk about. And so every time we'd talk, we'd get into these very deep conversations and eventually we get to the point to where her English couldn't explain it. And my Chinese wasn't good enough to, to say what I wanted to or understand what I needed to. So that's where we'd learn a few words and keep the conversation going. And so I remember that summer in 2011, it was pretty much, I would go to class and then as soon as class was over, I would go to the store and sit down, you know, have a drink of water and just talk. And we would talk until the next class. And then I'd go back out and train. And I, I passed quite a lot of time that summer like that. And I, I think I started to fall off the map uh, for all the social gatherings of the school. And uh, definitely people knew that I was spending all my time with her. Uh, but it was very much like a platonic, like, you know, we were, we were just friends in the beginning. It was really just we were connecting and, and communicating. And it was, it was really great because we found out that we had so much in common, like the way we looked at life, the way the stories we had growing up and things like that. There was a lot that we, we share with each other and it just felt natural. Like there was no pressure, you know, there was no like big distraction. It was just, we would be together and it just felt comfortable. And, and we just shared a lot with each other in the beginning and, and found more and more things to talk about. And I really started to have a genuine attraction to her at this point and really considering how do I, how do I change the conversation at this point? Right. Uh, because we had been talking and sharing with each other for uh, the whole summer. And at this point, my Chinese is starting to get pretty good. Like I can have conversations. I start talking with the coaches, talking with the other Chinese students, uh, going out and being able to like do things and, and order food and things like this. And that was kind of the trial is I was debating on how do I invite her out to eat or invite her to go do something or have a date and have her understand that it's not so I can practice Chinese. It's because I'm attracted to her. And there was this really stressful part of the summer as well, where I was trying to figure out how to do this. 
And especially because everything that I knew how to say in Chinese, she knew I knew how to say, right? And so there was very much like if I started, for example, I, I asked her one day how to say the word to kiss. And, and she's like, why do you need to know how to say this? And I remember just thinking, oh, everything's blown. All my cover is, is gone right now. And because I was like, well, maybe I need to know how to say this in case I want to ask someone a question. <laughs> and I, had no, I, I was the, just the sloppiest romantic ever. Like I didn't know what I was doing. But it was, it was an interesting dynamic, right, where I'm learning how to talk to somebody but the, the person that I want to talk to is the person who's teaching me. And so, you know, she knew everything I could say. And so there was just this interesting balance where I was like, I was trying to learn words on my own, <laughs> but I didn't know if I was right. So I would have to kind of like ask her. And so, yeah, it, the, I think she kind of knew what was afoot at a certain point. Uh, but again, because of the culture, she, I don't think she really expected it because like I said, the, the relationship's just don't work that way, especially, you know, we're, we're both, you know, uh, you know, we're both around the same age. We're both a little bit older. So we're, I would say we're actually fairly both pretty traditional too. Um, you know, so again, uh, a pretty interesting dynamic during that summer, but eventually I, I, I asked the right questions and, uh, we, we did start dating, but it, it, it did start off as a secret, right? So there was an interesting thing where we were together and we would go on some dates and go on walks and it did start to take on a serious tone, but it was also kind of not necessarily behind closed doors, but, but it was just us, right? We weren't really sharing it with everybody because we knew the potential, not backlash, but just, you know, the, the, the restrictions. And we knew that I had to keep my responsibility on training and I had a commitment to the school that I was going to fulfill. And I didn't want, we, we both knew that we didn't want the relationship to affect my training. Right. And so there was kind of an unspoken agreement once again, and we, we did keep the relationship secret for quite a while. Now, I haven't really talked with anyone about this, like I said, so I don't really know how secret the relationship actually was. And probably everyone knew what was happening. We just weren't open about it. Um, we just didn't tell anybody right away. So there was a good, there was a good half a year probably that we were together, but people just thought I was still just spending time with her uh, because I was obsessed and had a crush with her, which was fine with me for everyone to know. Uh, but, but at that point we were dating and I know that there came a certain point and I, I don't know the exact moment, uh, but at a certain point, I, we both knew that this was a serious relationship and, and, uh, we wanted to be more open about it. We, we were in love at the time and, uh, well, we still are and everything was starting to grow and we knew that we were going to be in a long-term relationship with each other. And so at a certain point we had to come out <laughs> to everybody and, the school is such a tight knit group, right? Uh, like I mentioned in other talks, you know, we train together, we live together, we eat together, we we room together, like we have roommates with each other in the class. Um, and so everything is very closely bound together, not to mention the relationship and the responsibility we have to each other as classmates, as uh, Kung Fu brothers and sisters, 
as master to disciple, uh, master to student at the time. We hadn't gone through the disciple ceremony yet, but you know, for our class, it was kind of the the standard. You know, our goal was to be disciples and to be teachers, and so there there is kind of a, a very serious air in the school as well. And the, for the few other people who did have relationships at the time, whether they be long term or even people at the school, there is like a different. There's a different quality to training when that happens, right? Like once once training starts, I very quickly picked up on the fact that the courtyard, the temple, um, the training room, the the indoor training hall, wherever we happen to be, that class space, that training space is sacrosanct. You know, that that is that is a sacred place. And when you step in, you're here and everything outside is outside. For me personally, th- this is a really great thing and that's kind of how my mind works anyway. I'm I don't necessarily have tunnel vision, but I do know that when I focus on something, it's very good for me to put things aside and and tackle one thing, right? And so for me that mindset fits really well. Even now when I'm teaching a class, if I'm teaching my student here and other people are training around me or they're teaching or talking about something, I don't really see much else that's happening around me. I'm pretty much focused on that conversation on that one experience. And so I think that that's a habit that's pretty much kind of my standard already, but it's definitely been reinforced during my time here is that there's a discipline for whatever you're doing and whatever you're whatever you set out to practice or whatever you're focused on in a moment, that is all that there is, right? And so from training, that that kind of standard just fits my personality, you know? And it was easy for the most part for me to go into training and have training time and to finish class and have relationship time, okay? And it was very easy to have that distinction. Now, I'm not going to say I'm perfect at that. Like there's definitely moments I, I can think of a few that I was definitely distracted during training time. Um, but I, I did do my best to, you know, never be late, always give as much effort as I could, uh, regardless of if, if my emotional state was drifting away occasionally. Uh, but but I think that that, that standard is really important, uh, regardless of if you're going to be in a relationship or not. Uh, any kind of distraction outside of class has to be put aside during that time um, in every movement, in every hour, in every day. So I think that that really fits me and that's kind of the standard. So we did go quite a long time without people really asking any pertinent questions and direct queries about if we're in a relationship because I, I still maintain that discipline, right? But like I said, at a certain point, we did have to come out and tell everyone because you know we wanted to have more of a of a social relationship you know we wanted to be able to go out together and i wanted to also share with people that you know this is a serious thing like they might assume it they might know that we're together but now i'm going to announce it <laughs> in a way right and so we took a very formal approach um maybe the most nerve-wracking day up to that point for sure was going to master yuan my shifu and telling him that we were together and i should explain one other thing sifu's wife is my now wife's 
ant. Right? So that would make Shifu also my uncle in law. Right. Uh, so at the time when my my wife, my girlfriend at the time, when she was working at the school, she was working with family, right? So this is this is pretty common in China, like the a lot of the businesses run together and Sifu married into my wife's family. And so a lot of the aunts and uncles work at the school from time to time and help out. And so that's kind of the the job that my my wife was doing at the time was she was working at the school and working with family, which is not a dynamic that I knew a lot about when we first got together. Because again, it was more, I was attracted to the person, right? It, there There is some things in, in, in China where they are looking for the, I think I talked about this in a previous episode about looking at kind of family connections and, and, uh, and kind of weighing the relationship even before people start dating. Um, again, for me, I, I, I know I'm attracted to her. I know that we have a connection uh, and we, we fell in love. And so that was number one, right? But later on, when I really started taking everything into consideration, I realized that, you know, I need to tell Sifu this directly. I need to tell him that we're in a relationship, not just because of the family connection. That's one important part, but also because he's my master and I'm in his school and my responsibility is dedicated to him for this five years. And so I wanted him to hear from me uh, before he heard from other people, right? And so, again, a nerve-wracking experience. And I had to contact Sifu, and I had to talk to him and say, ask him if we could talk in private. And, and I had a whole speech prepared. And I think anyone who spent some time at the, at the academy uh, with Master Yen, especially at that time, uh, he's very active in the day-to-day practice and everything and kind of a very you know intimidating figure i mean you imagine right (laughs) if you haven't met him you can imagine master of kung fu you know responsible for a lot of people obviously pretty intimidating he's got a gravity about him and in these moments i think it's fairly common to do what i did and script the entire conversation and practice it to myself for sure but it always happens that when you talk with sifu that everything that you plan is just thrown out the window in the first, you know, the first minute of conversation. And so I, I, I didn't know how I was going to break the news to Sifu, but I knew that I had to be upfront, right? So I, I contacted him and said, Sifu, can we, can we talk in private? And we went to the office, which had people working in there. So it wasn't private, but I was like, oh, okay, I've got to do this. And I came out and I told Sifu that I'm in a relationship with Ling Ling and I really love her and we're going to be together and I want you to know that it's not going to affect the training and I'm, I'm still dedicated to finishing the program. Um, but I just want you to hear it from me. (laughs) And I think just to say that I probably ranted for like 20 minutes and I was like an emotional wreck because of just training all the time. I think we're just like these bottles of emotion testosterone and and stress and just all this stuff under the surface and when i finally talked to sifu i was like i need to i need to present myself and i did not i just fell apart right and i i just i i was speaking exactly what i wanted to say 
but I was just, I was nervous. And I, and that's one of the things for me, like being here training for a long period of time, that was one of the biggest benefits of training here was I used to be occasionally still am, but I used to be very, very nervous and I used to shake and I used to just, you know, I used to stutter and very difficult for kind of these stressful social interactions, right? So this was one of those few moments where after I trained for a while, that started coming back still. Like I wasn't fully over it at the time. And even to now, there are things that are that can be difficult, but I have a much better foundation with myself. I understand myself a lot better now. Um, but at the time, I was, I feel, I feel looking back now that I was just this ridiculous kid for sure. But hopefully, uh, they saw the heart in it. So Sifu listened to me as he does and, and waits. And he always pauses before he responds, which when you're nervous, you end up filling with more words, <laughs> right? I remember hearing a really great quote. If you ever want to hear the truth, just stay quiet for a moment. And it's a very important practice. And it's something I've learned from Sifu too, is that when you ask him or talk to him or say something, he'll look you right in the eye and he'll wait. And in that empty space, you will fill it. You will fill it with something. And so he did that to me and I probably ranted much more I needed to. But eventually he told me, he said, he's not going to tell me how to live my life. And he's not going to control the way I feel in my heart. He's not going to try to control my love, right? You know, he said he can teach us about his perspective and what he thinks, but it's up for us to make a decision. The only thing he can say is that as a master, he said it has to, your training has to take precedence during this time. And you can't let it distract you from what you committed to. Now, whether or not you're going to be in a relationship or who you're going to be in a relationship with, he said, this is your life. And he hopes the best for me. And, and he was really gracious and really nice. And, and, uh, but he just said that, you know, you cannot give up on what you set out to do. So no matter what you choose, make sure that you keep your practice. Make sure that you keep your goals. Don't sacrifice your love. Don't sacrifice your training. Don't sacrifice your, your, your journey, your destination um, for anything emotional. You know, don't give up, basically. And I, I, I still look back on that day, and that was one of the few times that me and Sifu really connected um, and had a closer conversation, something really deep. And that was really a big burden was removed from me, you know, at that point. And we were, together, we were together officially. <laughs> And uh, there was a, a huge relief with that. But also there was this big, big relief of, you know, having the support, you know, of, of, of Shifu and of, of my friends and, and, and Ling Ling's family at the time. And, and that, that was definitely a, a really big, uh, has a lot of value for me even today. And so that, that was kind of when things changed and we were together, but we were openly together <laughs> And, and, uh, I think, I think our relationship was only deepened during that time, 
uh, after that, uh, I continued my training. I did my best to keep everything as disciplined as I could and, and separate my personal from my, so you say business life, my, my training life. Right. And, and, uh, time really flew by from there. You know, uh, me and my wife were together. We were boyfriend and girlfriend for a few, two, a year and a half, two years. And we started talking about, uh, traveling back to the States. You know, I had met her family obviously. And, I also went to them after I went to Sifu and, and talked about, you know, I'm, I, I was very traditional. I went to them and, and, uh, said, I, I want to have, a, I'm going to have a relationship with your daughter and, you know, just know that I'm looking out for her and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sincere, you know, cause there was kind of the, like I said, there was this taboo of the Westerner, you know, having this open heart and just falling in love and then potentially leaving and going back to America. Right. And so I knew the conversation wasn't a wasn't like this but there was this kind of thought right uh with the general chinese family and so i think pretty early on in our in our in our in our relationship i really considered these things and i think for me personally that if i'm in a relationship i'm 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 instantaneously dedicated long term right there's no real i'm waiting for proof to see uh if our relationship has long term viability if I'm in the relationship, I'm assuming that we're together for a long time, right? So there, I, I think personally for me, that might not be for everybody, but for me, that that's how I view things. Like if I'm, if I'm starting it, my, I'm going to finish it, right? I don't think a marriage can be finished, but just that idea, right? That concept. And so I, I was very sincere and I tried to put everyone's hearts at rest that I'm not just the, the foreigner who's going to be here and then leave. Uh, but it also did in, you know, in my, my own mind, take on that idea of like, you know, I do need to consider this more deeply uh, because we aren't from the same place. You know, we're from different cultures. Um, there are different things at play there. You know, I do have a time limit of how long I'm going to be in China. And so I think pretty early on there, I, I did start thinking about a lot of this and I knew that I wanted her to come back and meet my family because I'd met her family. So we did start, you know, figuring out how to travel back to the States. And we did a lot of work doing a tourist visa at the time. And I know we did the paperwork and we traveled to Beijing and we went through all this together and we were in really high spirits. And uh, the first time we applied, uh, there was some paperwork. I did everything on my own between training and everything. And I can't remember the exact reasoning, but the first time we went for our tourist visa, Everything was lined up. Everything was done. Everything was ready. And she didn't get approved for her visa. And I remember just the the heartbreak that happened then and how difficult that time was because we were, I was, I planned to go home every uh, Christmas, every, every holiday. We have to renew our visas and we have to leave the country to do that. So during the holiday, Sifu gives everyone time to go home. Also for Chinese New Year is when a lot of the Chinese students go home. But for the foreigners, we go back a little bit earlier so we can be back for Christmas and, and the, the winter holidays um, as well. And so I was already planned to go home. And the goal was to bring her with me to meet my family and stay in the States for a few weeks and come back. And when we got denied, I, I remember that was a pretty crushing experience. That was pretty difficult. We had already been together for you know a year and a half. And uh, I really wanted her to come home to meet the family. And that didn't happen. I ended up going home on my own that year 
And I remember just going back home and having a good time, but I think I spent more time on the phone, on, on WeChat and everything with her uh, while I was home. And so it was like, even though we were, you know, a world apart pretty much, uh, that was still the person I wanted to connect with. And I remember being home and talking to my mom and talking with the family. And, and I think that was the time where the, the thought finally solidified. I, I, there, there's other experiences I had before that where I definitely knew that uh, we were in love and, and this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. But I think it, it finally kind of fully developed uh, while I was home. And I really understood that, you know, I can barely stay away. Like now, <laughs> uh, all I want to do is go back to China to see her. And the only thing that was holding me back was my visa, <laughs> you know, getting processed at the time. So it, it did solidify my mind that I am going to go back and I'm going to propose and we're going to get married <laughs> and, or I hope we're going to get married. Right. And, uh, I was back home and I, I bought a ring and I got prepared and I, I told my mom <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then, then I went back and what my goal was, I, I came back early that year and so I could pick her up. And then I said, we'll, we'll, we'll go traveling. We went to Thailand together. And so I thought, you know, we can go, we went to Guangzhou. We did a little bit of traveling in China and then we went to Thailand and I was like, I want to, I want to go somewhere with you. You know, you can't come to the States with me this year, but we'll, we'll, we'll redo the paperwork and we'll, we'll, uh, you will go to America, you know, and we had a big plan for her. And, but I said, for now, I, I want to travel with you. We can go do something fun, you know, take our mind off of the, the, the visa denial, uh, period. <laughs> and so we went to Thailand and we had a really great time and we traveled around. I, I drove around on the moped and we went and visited the beaches and had a really great time in Chiang Mai, uh, which is really, really fun. And then it was my, it was my big, my big plan to propose on the beach. <laughs> and, and so I had taken her out and, and during the sunset on, I don't, I don't even know the beach. I was just, I was definitely flustered during that time too. And, and I proposed to her as the sun was going down, uh, as we were there resting and, and she said, yes, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, then we, we returned to China, uh, engaged and of course broke the news to the family and proceeded with huge celebrations and i think the last time i ever drank rice wine uh to this day <laughs> um but yeah no it, everyone welcomed us and it was it was really great we came back that was um yeah that was that was 2013 we got engaged and then the real work began and i went through the process for uh we wanted to get married in the States because I thought, you know, I want, I, I want to get her into America. I want to take her back. At least if I don't, I, at the time I didn't know if we were going to live where I didn't want to like, you know, just force her to follow me to the America. You know, maybe we would stay in China, but I, I knew that we, I wanted to take her to, to America and at least have the opportunity, the choice of where we wanted to live. Right. And, and she had never traveled uh, to, to there before. Like, when we went to Thailand, I had to help her with her visa or with her uh, passport application because she hadn't had a passport yet. And so, you know, I knew that we want to travel more and I want to take her more places. I want, I want to have her meet my family. So 
we did the fiance visa and I, I won't get into all that details cause that's a whole nother story. Um, but, but I spent the better part of the year preparing everything on my own and, uh, getting all the paperwork. And, you know, back then we had to, uh, you had to have like phone records or, uh, proof of bona fide relationships, so like photos and things like that. And we had spent so much time with each other, especially our first part of our relationship was kind of secretive. So we weren't really public. We didn't have a lot of photos. This was pre smartphone selfie kind of wave <laughs> of social media. And so we didn't have a lot of uh, photos together or even phone history because we basically lived, we didn't live with each other at the time, but we lived in the same area. You know, we lived a few rooms away from each other. So we didn't really have any like, paper communication of any kind that was recorded so we started like we started like having conversations on skype at one point which didn't last very long uh, it's just easier to go talk to each other um, but then we also like traveled and, and took photos together and did all this stuff so we would have more information for our visa um, not only because but but that was like the fun part of it was just getting more uh media for this this folder this i have two of them they're still in the states they're huge um but to do this fiance visa and we went through the process that you know we got approved and in the i think it was in the end of 2013 actually like in december we went back to america and then we got married at the beginning of 2014 uh, in january and we had the a, a small ceremony just at the courthouse, but then we had like a party and everything afterwards. Um, of course, everything I had a bunch of Chinese things decked out to help her, you know, feel more comfortable. We, you know, my parents did the whole tradition like we talked about in the previous episode with red bags. Um, you know, everyone really, you know, tried to tried to make her feel at home too. And I think even now I know that she had a really great time, and she she does have a special place in her heart for America and for the family. And I know that now uh, there's a big part of our future where we do want to be in America. We do want to be in the States. Um, and so I'm, I'm really happy that, you know, she was able to meet my, my grandfather and, and spend time with all the family and meet everybody and have a really good experience. You know, that was really great and really important to me. And, uh, but it was 2014 and I still had almost not a full year, but, you know, nine, eight, nine months of training left before the official graduation. So we, we did the ceremony. We, we had our, had our wedding processed the paperwork for citizen, not citizenship, but for the green card uh, for residency. And uh, then we, we, we got on a plane and came back to Wudang uh, so I could finish my training. And uh, it was also at that point that we got pregnant and uh, Selena was to be born at the end of 2014. We weren't too sure on the date because it was a surprise for us as well. And we didn't know if it was going to be in December or November, but we, we knew towards the end of the year. So we were like, okay, it's really good timing. I can finish my training and then we can go back to the States she can be born there. We have everything set up. You've been there. You know, we have, we have all the, we had this really great plan. Right. And so it was, it was kind of this really optimum timing in some ways. And, uh, yeah, the family was beginning. Right. And I went back 
to China, continue my training, just totally new. Like looking back, I, I remember so much about the last two years, but most of what I remember is either training or, you know, my, my, my love life, my, my life with, with my wife, you know, with my, with my fiance at the time. And so that, that was really maybe the, my golden year. No, <laughs> but, but, but it, it did like that, that, that period of my life was really important. And there was so much that happened in that, in those last two years. Um, it's such a, there's so, so much packed into that period, uh, b- between fiance, between traveling, um, you know, getting married, be- becoming pregnant, finishing the program, uh, all the performances, all the media that was happening. Also just the emotional roller coaster that I was on in 2014, you know, going from, you know, going to the States, having to meet my family to being married, to getting pregnant, to having my final time with my family in Wudang as well, you know, and then also with this plan of definitely going back to America at the end of the program. Because at this point, before we were pregnant, I, I did have this kind of idea that like, oh, we're going to finish the program. And then I think I'm going to stay in China for a couple more years. And, and you know, we can have a life here for a little while and I can keep training or we can do something or I can learn something different. And so there was like a, a, a kind of uh, an outline of an idea uh, before that. But then now we're going to have a baby and everything got jump started in a way. And I was like, you know, we wanted, we wanted to get back to the States so she could continue her residency application. Um, but also we wanted our daughter to be born in America, uh, make everything a lot easier uh, for travel purposes. And, and also that worked out much better too, uh, because she has the potential for dual, dual citizenship. So an interesting, uh, interesting uh, coincidence there as well. But at the time, I was just going through this emotional roller coaster uh, of 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 the these huge momentous events in my life, in our life, right? And it was also interesting because when we came back, and there was so much happening that when we did realize we were pregnant, when we came back to Wudang, we realized, and you know, for the first few months, again, we were pretty quiet about that it seemed like everything was happening so fast. You know, I, I I never thought that I would be the one to be even married in my twenties. You know, um, I didn't even want to admit that I might find a girlfriend in China when I went. And here I am about to start a family, um, pretty much as the program stops. So it it was a, it was a pretty big change, um, for me personally. And, and just a, a, a big, a very important year, right? And so there was a lot of pressure <laughs> for different reasons across the board. Um, but I do remember we didn't tell everyone right away. And the coming out, <laughs> I thought that talking to Sifu or, you know, asking her out the first time was emotional. I was a disaster when it came to announcing that we were going to have a baby for the first time. And I think that I I don't even remember the order that we went in. I know we talked to the family first 
and we had talked to you know her 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 mom and and the close family there and we had we had talked to my mom via skype <laughs> i don't think we recorded the conversation we didn't think ahead there um but but uh yeah of course that news was dropped in in the states uh to the family not on social media because we, we wanted to kind of be able to tell each person individually and surprise them and and i remember we told uh my mom on on skype and of course that was uh that was an emotional uh phone call <laughs> uh, but it, it was always really fun you know having that having that conversation with everyone being able to share the news that's always a great thing and uh really fun but when it came to coming out <laughs> to my kung fu brothers and sisters it was so strange for me because that was it was almost the most pressure i've felt and I think at the time, telling the family and having the conversations between me and my wife, you know, about like baby names and, and, and future plans and things like this, because all that, it just, it just felt, it, it was normal. Like it, it felt so just like, oh, this is a responsible thing. This is what we do. This is the logical approach. Like, this is our plan. What are we doing? What's the name? Like we had everything like ducks in a row, Right. But when it came to telling my Kung Fu brothers and sisters in my class, that's my, that's my, that's my family. You know, that, that was my, my surrogate family. And that's the family that I, I chose, right? These are the people I surrounded myself with through some of the most difficult parts of my life up to that point. And there's a different connection there. And anyone who's had these experiences, I know like you, I, I think it's comparable to like, you know, a, a military thing where you're spending every day with someone training. There's a physical, there's an emotional, there's spiritual connection in some sense. Uh, there's aspects of you protecting each other and, and helping each other, motivating each other, but also being around for all of the, the bad days as well, right? There's a, there's a different kind of connection that happens there. And so even to this day, everyone in that class, if we, you know, cross paths or connect again, everything is just right there on the surface, right? Like we, there's just so much we know about each other. And I think so much we experience with each other that whether or not we're communicating on a day-to-day basis or around each other all the time, nothing changes, right? We we're, we're kind of stuck with each other, <laughs> right? And so at this point, like in 2014, we're going through, we're going to be leaving Wudang you know, we're going back to our regular lives in some sense. And there there was a sense of kind of separation there that last year that we knew was inevitable. And I don't think we were all really prepared for how much it was going to hit us, uh, especially during that last week. I might have to say that for another conversation. Um, but But this was on my mind during that last year as well. And so I didn't realize how much pressure was on me personally i mean i think on everybody as well but i remember kind of telling everyone that i want to take everyone out out to eat (laughs) and i was trying to make it casual but i was also trying to make sure everyone was going to be there because i had some news but i didn't want to tell people i had news (laughs) uh and again i i rehearsed and, and practiced everything i had a speech written out and i don't think i got through a single word and i remember people getting there we all were gonna eat and then I went to go start what I was going to say. And it was something, I was trying to say something about how, you know, our family is not coming to an end, but we're going to go home. 
and there was, there was something about this and I'm like, but I'm starting a new family and guess what? I'm having a baby. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't even remember what, what I wanted to say, but it was something like that. And I just broke down while I was trying to say it. And, and, uh, Lewis and some of my, my classmates were trying to ask like, Oh, is everything okay? We didn't know what, what's happening. <laughs> like they were worried for me, but I was like, no, it's good. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not sad. I'm not blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm happy, but I'm, I'm just like, I'm shaking. <laughs> and it was, it was pretty emotional to, to, I think that's the moment it really hit me that, you know, I'm going to be a dad, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been married to my, my true love. And, and just like so much of my experience to that point it just felt like it couldn't have been written better. And in that moment, it really hit me. And it was a lot. It was a lot to take in all at once. And uh, and my wife was just behind me, just smiling and supporting me. And uh, I was like, man, I really need to get my stuff together. <laughs> so at that point, I finally got to tell everyone. I, there was a few people who knew who the news leaked out to beforehand but it was a big surprise for everyone. And, uh, it was, it was a pretty big event, of course, as, as any, you know, firstborn is. And, uh, yeah, just, just a really crazy time at, after that. Uh, yeah. Then I continued the last six months, four months or so. And, and by that point we couldn't hide it anymore. Of course, uh, when the belly bump happens and, uh, I graduated in, September and we were the last ones to leave the school but we only left like a week and a half after the graduation and so everyone was very much kind of like uh, very quickly tied up in what they had to do at home and so there was you know everyone kind of went back home and there was this this big kind of send-off for everybody and in one sense it was a send-off it was a it was a goodbye or see you later for Wudang, but I was beginning my own family and there was this whole new thing on the horizon that I never expected. And I'm lucky enough to be able to spend the rest of my life with the love of my life, the person I met here. And I, I was really grateful like that, that whole last year, there was a lot of stressful things that happened. Um, but looking back, there's so much of it that I'm grateful for and means so much to me, right? So, yeah, I don't want to get too emotional. Uh, I was nervous about this, and uh, yeah, it's kind of cathartic. So uh, thanks for listening around so far. So, you know, there there was, there are different things, um, definitely, that over time that we've, we've crossed um, – having my wife in America uh, with the you know majority of her life being in China, you know, having the culture change there. And I got to kind of be there for that experience and support her the way she supported me in China. And everything about us being together, I think, has only strengthened our connection, you know, because we're with each other and supporting each other through these moments, right? Like I had this stressful experience happening and I'm speaking from my own perspective right now um, but I know that during that time it was equal if not greater 
the stress that my wife was going through. You know, she was going to, she got married in another country. Then she was going to travel with me to have our daughter, which we didn't know daughter or, or son at the time. That was another fun thing. Excuse me. But she was going to leave with me, her, her new husband, <laughs> well, her husband <laughs> and newly married husband and, uh, go to another country away from all her family and start a new family in another, another world. Right. And so I know that there was a, a lot of, a lot of, uh, similar stress and, and, uh, trial that she was going through as well. And, you know, I, I, I hope that I'm, I, I was able to support her the way she supported me, you know, while I was here away from my whole family and all my friends and, and kind of my, my old home. Um, now I think we found a good balance, you know, uh, Selena was born in November. So we returned home, carried a ton of luggage, uh, back and, uh, tried to make Ling Ling as comfortable as possible. And, uh, Selena was born on November 25th at 6:23 in the morning. And, uh, yeah, just, a a whole new world began for us. Right. And I think that, you know, we, we started to very quickly pick up on the parts of China, the parts of Wudang that we brought with us, right? You know, we brought so much uh, to share with my family and, and, and with Selena while she was growing up. Um, and I think that that's really great, like the connections she was able to make, the, the way she's brought up. And now, especially after she was three years old, coming back to Wudang and continuing my training and also teaching here um, and being involved in these cultural practices and then having her come back here and also learning the language and being connected to the family here, uh, going to school now and, and learning instruments and, and Kung Fu and all these things. I really think, I, I, I really hope that we've done a good job and She's getting the best of both places, you know, because I think that for us, for my wife and I, I know that this is what we try to bring, right? We try to connect culture instead of clash, right? We know that there's parts that are different from us. Uh, we've, brought, we've been brought up differently. We're from different cultures, different backgrounds, but some of the beauty of our relationship is in those words that can be said, right? I think that for me, one of the things I picked up on very early on was that when you can't say everything that you want to say, when you find the words to really express yourself, when you, those few words that you say can mean even more, right? Because there's this kind of implied, not struggle, but this kind of idea that I'm striving, you know, I'm, I'm working to make this connection. And the fact that when we have a connection, it's natural and it seems like it was meant to be is all the more rewarding, 
right? Sometimes the words that you find, even though they're not as many, they mean even more. And luckily for me, love is not lost in translation. So I'm very, very lucky that it's not <laughs> because uh, my Chinese is not up to par uh, to truly explain the way I feel. But I, I'd also think that maybe language isn't up to par. So, yeah, that is the, uh, that is the story of how we met um, and kind of how, you know, everything came to be. Uh, I think that over the years, it's given me a, a, a pretty big window into Chinese culture because I do my best to not just understand it so I can connect better with my wife, but also I, 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 I try to, especially when we're in America, for example, to bring her home with her, you know, and to, to, to I know how important that cultural identity is. Because I know how much I missed while I was training in China away from my family and my, my home. And so, again, we both kind of went through that experience. And I think that being able to support each other and understand each other on that deep level is something that I, I, I'll never be able to truly express. But I do my best to uh, to do so. <laughs> I do my best to find the words, even though I think they will continue to elude me. I, I think I'm 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 definitely looking forward to a lifetime of trying to find them. And I think that that is is kind of the value of of maybe not our relationship, but I think all relationships. Right? Is there's this promise of the work you're willing to put in the you know, the, uh, the, the, not necessarily sacrifice, but the, uh, the potential sacrifice, the, the, uh, I don't want to go as far as saying compromise even, because I feel like I've definitely come out with the better end, <laughs> um, of the, of the, of the negotiation there. But I, I do think that there is this, you know, this connection of pain and back of, of, I don't know what I want to say, but uh, I'm I'm just really grateful <laughs> to have the luck to meet my wife, to meet Lingling, Ling, when and where and how I did, and and everything that means for me up until now, and and I and for the rest of my life, I yeah, thank you <laughs> for listening. <laughs> so I, I I do want yeah I just want to tell everyone thank you thank you for listening. I'm I'm gonna kind of try to tie this up so I don't get too emotional but uh yeah thank you for listening you know uh my love life has always been something really personal to me um and i don't broadcast this part of myself or you know my family very often um but again i i do think it's it's important that we share these stories i think that there's a lot to learn and a lot to understand right you know those words that we do keep close to our hearts, the, the thoughts that guide our growth, those actions that manifest from those roots, those reflect most clearly our inner selves, right? 
And I think that finding those threads, those connections, while it, it can be challenging and it can be difficult at times, I, I really implore you to to seek them out, you know, and to to put yourself on that limb and take a chance. Because you, you don't really know when you'll make that connection. It could be when and where you least expect it. So I think that in the end, whoever those people are that you surround yourself with, they end up meaning the most to you. And I hope that for today and all days to come, those moments that you spend with your loved ones are met like warm sunshine on your face, like a, like a cool breeze on a summer's night, like, a, like music to your ears, and like a warm cup of tea in good company. So thank you. And with that, here's to finding balance one cup at a time. Thank you for listening to this Tea Talk. Be sure to subscribe and join me every Tuesday for new episode releases available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also view the video version of this podcast on YouTube and support the ways of Wudang through Patreon. Keep the conversation going with hashtag Tea Talk unfiltered or connect with me directly by joining the ways of Wudang on Discord. I'll talk with you next week for another cup of tea.